the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 37th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, it's our AFL Women's Pre-Draft Special as we catch up with Andy Smith, Nikki Harwood, Aaron Russell, Alison Schiller, Lauren Hodson and Katie Lembeski. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 37th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017. Our third season of doing these podcasts. And a reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings in Melbourne on RSN Carnival, digital radio from 6pm or anywhere around the world by listening in via the RSN Racing and Sport app. Now, before we get into each of our interviews, having a look at uh, some of the best players from each state that could be picked up in the AFL Women's Draft on Wednesday, October 18th, let's explain for those who might not be familiar with it of how the Women's Draft operates. It's not like the men's, where essentially it's an all-in pool and you could end up at any club anywhere around the country. Because the players are semi-professional, they have the right to nominate for a particular state draft. For example, if you're in Victoria and you nominate for the Victorian draft pool, any one of four clubs can pick you up in the draft, being Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs, Carlton or Collingwood. If, for example, you're in South Australia and you nominate for the SA draft pool, exclusive access by the Adelaide Crows. Same happens in WA for Fremantle, in New South Wales, ACT for the GWS Giants and in Queensland for the Brisbane Lions. However, you don't have to nominate for the draft of which state that you're currently in. If you're a Victorian but you think you have a better chance of being picked up by the Giants, you can nominate for the New South Wales draft pool and the Giants can pick you up. Now that said, after the draft is all said and done, if there's still spots available on the primary list, therefore clubs have actually decided to pass on their option of selecting someone in the draft, they can in a 48-hour period after the draft, sign a player as a free agent. This happened for the 2017 season with Sarah Perkins, who wasn't picked up in the Victorian draft, and a couple of days later was taken by the Adelaide Crows. She moved to South Australia and of course played in a premiership. This is highlighted more so by the Tasmanians, who at the moment, until 2019, don't have a current side in the AFLW competition, and they will obviously nominate for a draft in another state if they do want to play in AFLW 2018. Now, there's anywhere between five to eight picks per club. Most generally have about seven spots available on their primary list to pick up players. There's an extra spot at the Brisbane Lions because, unfortunately, Sam Burgo did an ACL in the Quaffle Grand Final. That means they need a replacement for her. Clubs also have the opportunity to pick up to three rookie players. That is a player that has not played Australian rules football in the three years previous to this year or a player that is under 21 years of age. Those taken as a rookie can be upgraded to the primary list when there is an injury. Okay, that all makes sense? Let's hope so. Let's get into it and start speaking to the experts state by state on who they think might be a chance of being taken by an AFLW club. We start, first of all, in South Australia, the home of the Premiers, the Adelaide Crows, and we've got on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller, who's been flowing the San for women's and Adelaide Footy League women's competitions very closely over the past or eight or nine months. Ali, great to have you on the line. How are you? Very good, thank you, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. Congratulations on winning at least one premiership this year with the women's. Can't say much thank about you. the men's. <laughs> thank you so much for rubbing that in. Yes, yes. We had a front seat to that car crash, but at least we did make two grand finals um, in the year, so we'll take that and hopefully we can go one better next year. 
and let's move back to women's football. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, there's plenty to talk about in the um, SA draft pool. Now, up until uh, a couple of months ago, the presumptive number one pick in the SA draft pool for the Adelaide Crows was going to be Chloe Shear. Unfortunately, unfortunately, she did her ACL in that game uh, for mm-hmm. Modbury, uh, which means she will not be playing in the 2018 season. I have a, a theory right. and a question for you, particularly since everyone's on one-year contracts uh, in the mm-hmm. AFLW, and we don't know what the AFL... W uh, will do about how many players have to be turned over when the new licenses come in to give the new clubs a fair chance to pick up players. Um, mm-hmm. If you're the Adelaide Crows, do you, with a late pick, go, let's sign Chloe Shear and have mm-hmm. a rookie upgraded to take her spot, but at least have her on the books to stop any interest from the new Victorian clubs about trying to encouraging her to move over? Well, that's an interesting theory. It's whether the um, AFL as such would allow that because it's obviously very blatant. We know she cannot play. And um, to bring a rookie in knowing for well that, you know, you're going to have a choice of rookies or at least one that you can upgrade. I mean, I'm, I'm of course, I'm all for it. Um, Chloe definitely deserves a spot on the list, but obviously she's going to have her rehabilitation. As you mentioned, she won't play. But um, I'd be more than happy to put her in um, and then upgrade a rookie for that and give someone else a chance while keeping her on our books, as I said, if it's allowed. Well, there there is precedent. Um, Carlton did sign the Hocking sisters. Sarah played, but Jess actually did her knee before she was even recruited. And we all knew that Jess wouldn't play in the 2017 season. And they kept her on the book and re-signed her so she could play this year. So Carlton have Mm -hmm. done it. There is precedent. Well, that's precedent for a Victorian team, and we know in South Australia how that can go. So um, I, if there's precedence, I'd love to think that that could actually be the case. Pick her up with the last pick uh, that we have on the books, and I'm pretty sure that it would make the rookies pretty damn excited about an opportunity to come and play for the Mighty Adelaide Crows. So let's have a look at some of the um, South Australian players that did the combine testing, first of all, before we talk about uh, some of the mm-hmm. other players that uh, might have a shot at being drafted. Uh, first of all, there's been mm-hmm. a whole heap of hype around Jessica Allen, who's been a star youth yep. girls level, did well this year yep. with Salisbury. Uh, looking at her test from the uh, draft combine, uh, Allen uh, did win the running vertical jump at 76 centimetres, at least mm-hmm. 11 centimetres better than Pippa Smythe. Uh, she also yep. featured well in the 20-metre sprint, where she featured in the mm-hmm. top half dozen at 3.34 seconds. In the yo-yo test, she was part of the best dozen at 15.8. So she's tested well, has a, a good track behind her when it comes to um, youth girls football. She's playing at the moment, as we said, in the um, in the Adelaide Footy League women's competition. Is mm-hmm. she the number one draft pick for the Crows? Well, if you look at it with uh, men's league, course, they never usually go rucked. But Jess, as you mentioned before, absolutely. I've had the pleasure of watching Jess play um, for Salisbury this year, and she is phenomenal to watch. Um, and if they said Chloe, she is not there. She would be one that would be very close that the Crows would go, you know, what more can she do to um, earn that spot as a number one draft pick? Uh, I love her. I love the fact she can go back and go forward as well. Uh, and as well, like you said, she tested so high in the ruck and she's been playing against, um, you know, strong women 
in the competition as well. So she can hold her own for being 18 years old. So I'm actually really excited for what she can bring to the Crows. And that would mean the uh, Allen sisters would be teamed up together at the Crows. That would be the uh, the second um, sister combination uh, when you obviously uh, take into account the Hawkins at Carlton. Um, yeah, well, it'd be Chalky and Chalky Junior. That was his <laughs> names, Chalky and Chalky Junior. Oh, so, um, well, why is it Chalky and Chalky Junior? Surely it'd be chalk and cheese. No, that that would just be too easy. Um, if you just see them together, they're not chalk and cheese. It's chalk and chalk. A so little, um, definitely chalky and chalky junior um, applies at the moment anyway. A, a little sidebar, uh, I played at a cricket club where there used to be a player called Veg and um, he actually had a son oh. that played and they called him Fruit and they used to drive oh. this really flashy car but everyone called it the Fruit and Veg truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so lucky that doesn't cross any lines. That's brilliant. I love it. Uh, let's, have a, <laughs> let's have a look at some of the other players that uh, could be picked up that uh, did go to the Combine. Another one of them is Ruth Wallace uh, from Adelaide Uni oh. and did play for Norwood in the Sandford W competition. Going through uh, yes, Ruth's stats, in the vertical jump, she was 48 centimetres to being amongst the uh, uh, best dozen um, looking through the other stats, uh, she did mention in the yo-yo test and the best 10, which was 16.2. So, again, it's tested okay. And you've always been big raps for her. Oh, I do. You know, uh, this is probably unfair bias here. I, I would take Ruth would pick one, but that is me. Um, I, I love Ruth, what she brings to the club. She is just hard at it. Um, she's a marathon runner outside too and supports a lot of Indigenous work. Um, so predominantly plays up forward, but through the wing, even through the midfield. And um, I think I mentioned in the grand final, within the first two minutes, she just faced first, like just ran straight into an opposition player to try and get the ball. So she has no fear. And I think um, the Beck Goddard would absolutely love that in a player. And, and some versatility as, uh, versatility as well. Um, I've already, you know, the number 18 is spare in the women's, the Crows women's team at the moment, and Ruth does wear the 18 for Adelaide Uni. And um, we do have good history with Eddie Betts wearing 18. I reckon Ruth Wallace and 18 would sound damn fine to me, Peter. Just personal bias, but absolutely. And she comes from a soccer background as well. So she's got sports and tenacity uh, all over her. Two Morphville Park players uh, who also played for Glenelg mm-hmm. both tested out. Uh, Aloise Jones and Brianna Walling. Uh, Jones didn't really feature in any of the best statistics when it came to the draft combine. Walling did uh, manage to score 52 centimetres in the running vertical jump to put her amongst yeah. the uh, top half dozen or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brianna Walling, she's a small four. I watched her in the Morphville Roos. Um, haven't seen her play yet like, for the Glenelg. And she's great in and at it, and, and for her size and everything, like it really belies the, the fierceness that she goes at the contest. Eloise Jones is probably more well known to people um, uh, around, I suppose, in Adelaide in the footy circles. She's a very highly skilled midfielder who can go forward, and she's got great aerial skills, uh, and she'll fit in nicely. I'm pretty sure she'll get picked up by the Crows. I said she might have a problem getting into the middle, but. At the same time, Beck did like rotating them through there at the end. And again, key word in any football teams is versatility. And I think it's another, um, if she goes forward and kicks goals, that's something else that, you know, the Crows desperately need. 
before we have a look at some of those other uh, Adelaide-based players, I just want to quickly touch on this two NT players that did try out who would go to the Crows if they're nominated for the Crows draft pool. Uh, Callista Bloyd from the Wanderers. But the one they've been raving about is Jasmine really? Hewitt from St. Mary. St. Mary's a famous football factory up there in the NT, uh, especially for my Bombers and one Michael Long all coming out of uh, St. Mary's. <laughs> um, this is how she went in the combine. Second in the two-kilometre time trial at 7 minutes 40 seconds, just 11 seconds behind uh, Bridie Kennedy. Second in the mm-hmm. vertical jump at 60 centimetres, just one centimetre below Jessica Allen. In the running vertical oh. jump, she was six. 60 centimetres, 16 shy Mm -hmm. of uh, Jessica Allen, just behind uh, uh, Pippa Smythe. Um, She also got 3.39 in the 20-metre sprint, uh, putting her amongst the best half dozen. Um, She measured second in the yo-yo test at Mm 17.1 and was amongst the the top 10 for the smart speed agility at 8. 0.799 0.799 seconds. That is that she is ranked highly in each of the tests at the combine. She goes all right. <laughs> <laughs> she, she goes all right, and she's a, a rack forward. So again, you know, um, having a tall that can can play up forward as well, chuck um, Jess Allen down back for, for resting. And I think you've got some bookends that you could can build in there. She's 24. Um, I believe she, uh, I'm sorry, you can't claim it too much. She's only been playing football in the NT for a year. And originally she um, is from Sterling North up near Port Augusta, where my other half's from. So know that area quite well, but she only moved to Darwin last year. And, and to make it even scarier, she only took football up in earnest, I think about a year ago as well. So, yeah, I think she she could she could potentially do some damage. And I think the Crows would definitely look at her and picking her up and add her to our list. Some pretty exciting numbers in there for the two, for um, Jess and Jasmine. Yeah, they're all going very well, and I think uh, that is going to uh, make our Crow supporters very, very happy that they've got uh, they've got uh, that quality of talent coming through. When uh, to use the term, the Premiership window is well and truly open. You've won a Premiership, yeah. but the window is <laughs> open to take a couple of more while you're at it. Always open. The window's always open. <laughs> That's the main thing. Let's have a look at um, a couple of the Adelaide-based players. No doubt you'll throw in a few mm-hmm. names, but two that come to the top of my mind, both out of Adelaide Uni. Uh, Christy Stein is a big, big rap um, for Sophie Lee. Uh, Sophie, oh. of course, who got best on ground for Norwood in the Sanford Women's Grand Final. Uh, she also mm-hmm. uh, rated highly in the league best and fairest count. Um, mm-hmm. You called her Jet Lee. She just goes, goes, yep. goes, and she just seems to be a player that sh- surely would be getting one of the, I think, seven spots that's available for the Crows list. Oh, I will cry if she's not picked up. She is, she's a, like I said, she's someone that just puts bums on feet um, and just the natural ability and speed. Uh, I think the only thing where people would be concerned, she's 29, but as I said, for her experience, she looks 12. Um, so Ninja is her nickname. I call her Jet Lee. It all works out well for all of us. But she is phenomenal to watch. Just how hard she can get in, like, down to the ball and then spin out with it and a great kick and just that burst away from the contest. Um, I, 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 she has to be picked up. I'm going to be very upset if um, the Crows don't pick her. I'll, I'll be going down there and having a word to bet, I think, because <laughs> she's amazing to watch. And, and you'll, know, you'll know as soon as you see her because... She just stands out from the pack as well when she gets hold of that ball. 
you're having a word to Beck. I'll be flying a plane over Adelaide over with a big banner having a go at Beck if this next player doesn't get picked up. Yes, there's a question of age, but when you've only got one-year contracts and you're a shot at winning back-to-back flags, why not take the gamble when clearly this player has a pedigree of such incredible uh, success throughout New South Wales and now in South Australia Courtney Gum. She creamed them in the sample women's competition. Again, with just one-year mm-hmm. contracts and you're a chance of going back-to-back and you've got to replace Gibson. Why not replace a marquee talent with a marquee talent in Courtney Gum? Oh, I would love to see Courtney get a running out. It's in New South Wales. Now, I think it's at the Hoa medal. There was a medal that she won that no other person of theme, I think, had picked up. She has got skill to burn. Just to give an example, I suppose, she runs through the midfield and then goes up forward. Um, on grand final day, not only was she really, really crook with the flu, she'd also hurt her ankle and she went forward and kicked seven goals, one in the grand final. That's, that, that tells you enough about the type of person that she is and how she, the ball just goes to her and she can just make the lead. She's got a body presence. Um, she's got that great lower centre of gravity that she can just get through and just muscle her way through a contest. And I'm really hoping um, that she does get added to the list. So there's only a certain amount of number that can get on there, but I love the way Gummo goes about it. She's fabulous. So cross fingers that Beck Goddard is listening and does the right thing, pick up Courtney Gum. Otherwise, we're going to have to be <laughs> staging a protest outside Adelaide yeah. Oval. <laughs> Is there any other names that is there any other names that come to mind for you that could be a smoky and be considered particularly for a late round draft pick? Oh well, as I said, you look at the names there that we've even mentioned, um, and they're all such talent. But you've got other ones up and coming. I'd love to see get a go in the in the near future. The Tate Mackerel also from Adelaide Uni, um, just hard at it and still like, when people watch, they think, oh yeah, she, she won't get the ball too much. Next minute, she's got the ball and gone. And if, if something happens and someone else drops the ball, she goes back in and gets it and then breaks through the pack again. And she's also um, from a cricketing background as well. Um, it depends on the position, I suppose, as well for what they're looking for because that's going to dictate, obviously, a lot. A lot of people have been mentioning the forwards. Um, so it's whether they want to shore up their defensive stocks as well. But again, another forward, Chelsea Bedell, um, is another one that's uh, from West Adelaide. You've got the Martin, Rachel Martin, um, that won the SANFL, uh, sorry, the um, Adelaide Footy League uh, medal. Now, I've got to check with some of them because they all look, you know, underage to me because I must be getting older. But I know there was another girl that was playing in Anglebar she had to play Division 2, but I don't know if she meets the age group. But I know that she was absolutely nailing it out there. But Kelly Baltrop is another one come over from soccer. Um, oh, really, I mean, there's a young girl, Paige Allen from Salisbury, not related, believe it or not, to the other Allen sisters. And it's whether they want to bring someone in to develop, which I don't think they will. I think they'll just go for proven performance. Um, like you said, there's a chance of back-to-back. Is And if it's one-year contract, you know, what age group are you going to bring them in at if there's a potential that you could lose them after one year? So there's, I mean, seriously, I could run through about 10, 10 extra names and things like that. But the top ones that we've gone through, I think, are the best bet. But then again, the crows are known to throw surprises in there as well. So not much will shock me unless um, Ruth and Sophie and Courtney don't get a look in somewhere on the list. 
Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. No doubt we look forward to your opinions uh, in the coming weeks uh, about who got drafted by the Crows and are they the best fit and maybe who was missed out that uh, that could be picked up in 2019 or maybe stolen by a Victorian club. We thank mm-hmm, you for all mm-hmm. your work that you've done and, of course, remind people to find the Two Crows podcast. Where can they find it if they want to listen to it? Make it easy, at Two Crows Podcast um, on Twitter, and uh, we'll be putting out some new podcasts shortly because we've also got the, obviously got the women's trade draft, but we've got the men's one coming up as well. Thanks very much for your time, Ali, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon. Excellent. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you for having me. So that's the South Australian talent. Let's now turn our attention to the talent coming from Tasmania. And joining us on the line now here at Girls Bay Footy, the Clarence coach from Tasmania, working away in his shed by the sound of it with all that noise going on. And as well, of course, he's been involved in the state programs over a number of years, particularly at under-18s and senior women's level. It's great to have on the line Andy Smith. Andy, how are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Just uh, I'm doing a bit of work down the shack, actually. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah doing all the chores I couldn't do in footy season. <laughs> well, let's talk about the AFLW draft. Uh, this is an interesting one, isn't it, for 2018? It's the last one where the Tassie girls have to nominate for another state if they want to play AFLW. And, of course, that all gets flipped around next year after the great news that for the 2019 season, Tasmania will have a side, albeit partly with North Melbourne, in the AFLW. Yeah, it's fantastic in 2019 that North Melbourne have come on board with with um, helping Tassie's um, pathway to the top level, which is really good for Tassie football. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the girls will nominate this year. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll potentially have to go somewhere else, but um, it's a great opportunity for them too. Sky's the limit sort of thing with female's football, so yeah. Let's talk about the up-and-coming uh, talent. Uh, you have seen a handful of them, uh, obviously, uh, throughout their under-18 carnival days when Tassie joined with the NT and then when, obviously, they uh, had their own Tassie side in there. Uh, the first one that a lot of people are talking about is Daria Bannister. Um, how have you seen her progression and, and what do you see as her chances of possibly getting picked up? Oh. Out of all the talent in Tassie, she's probably the one that will get drafted out of anyone. Um, she's probably by far, the, oh, not by far, but she's doing all the right things to get drafted. She's exceptional f- footballer, given she's only taken up the sport late. Um, she's a fantastic talent, so I'd, say, I'd, I'd see her getting drafted um, this year, 2018. The other ones that did the combined, maybe 2018, maybe 2019. It just depends on what coaches are looking for with players. But, yeah, I think Daria's a, almost a certainty. Um, she's, as, she's as good as the girls that played last year, the t- Tassie girls have played last year and got drafted, so I think it'd be disappointing um, if she didn't get drafted. She's definitely got the ability, so I'm pretty sure that pretty confident she will definitely get drafted. When we talk about an all-round footballer, this uh, stats on the combined might show everything because she registered essentially in the top group in all of them. Uh, Lavia Achei, who got eight minutes, two seconds to be amongst the top five in the two-kilometre trial. She got amongst the best half dozen or so in the vertical jump at 51 centimetres. At the running vertical jump, she was part of the top dozen with 52 centimetres. With the smart sprint over 20 metres, she was 3.33 seconds to be in the top half dozen. She was in the top three for the yo-yo test at 16.8 and was amongst the top 10 for the smart speed agility at 8.803. Was she really even trying? <laughs> oh, God. That, that's, that's a fantastic effort from Lulith. Um When she played, like, Lulith's getting only new to football too. She's only in second or third year of football, so she's really new to football and still raw. But um, I wouldn't have picked her, or improvement has been un- unbelievable to get those those results. I think she won the, the, the best performed at the combined testing too, so that was a fantastic achievement. Um, 
surprised. Yeah, definitely surprised at the results. Um, I think she over-exceeded my expectations. If you said how well would she go, I would have said she would have performed well, but nowhere near the level she did. So she's definitely got to be a chance. Um, maybe the only thing holding her back is probably a lack of football experience. I mean, athletically, she's tested brilliantly against all the peers, so that's fantastic. Uh, she's a tall girl, so she's got good height behind her. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a chance. Depends what the coaches are looking for. Also, Courtney Webb has been another one that uh, that started under 18 level. Um, she got eight minutes, three seconds, just a second behind Loveth in the uh, two-kilometre time trial. She also um, did well um, uh, in the yo-yo test at 16.3, again, just behind Loveth. And, um, again, testing well as uh, a name that's been on the radar for a while. Is she a player that's a chance of being this year or maybe a little more patient she has to wait for 2019? Oh, no. I, I, well, I, I coached Courtney through the program for three years with the 18s, and she's definitely had potential. Um, the biggest thing she's got to choose will be cricket over football or football over cricket because she's in the Tassie cricket squad at the whole team at the moment with the Raw. So um, she's, she's going to have a few decisions to make given the season's overlap. But, no, she's definitely definitely be a chance. Um, there's no, no risk about that. She's, she is a great talent. She's exceptional skills, and she's got really good footy knowledge and understands the game. So she'd definitely be a chance. But, again, it will determine what happens with footy and cricket and how the coaches um, want to overlap the two programs and can they overlap given the cricket's played the same and the, the AFLW is obviously a pre-season, it's the end of cricket season, so they're going to overlap at some stage. So she's probably got some decisions to be made if she does get drafted. Indeed, we've already seen that with uh, Emma Carney and uh, Kirsty Lamb at the Bulldogs, who are both, of course, state cricketers in Victoria, who will play WBBL but have said no to playing in the one-day WNCL because, again, of that overlap. Yeah, it's disappointing that the girls actually have to choose. I mean, going forward, potentially, the, the seasons won't overlap and, and maybe the AFLW will, will mirror image more the AFL season and um, become more of a winter sport, not a pre-season time zone, and they can and do both because you don't want girls of exceptional talent missing out on one or the other. They should be able to um, mirror image both codes and, and, and have a play both bases. Um, it might, might be a bit old school, but I mean, I, I don't think the demands are unrealistic that they couldn't play both if the seasons didn't overlap. Yes, cross fingers that um, they can work something out for her. Um, yeah. Let's look at some other players that, that didn't go to the Combine. Um, uh, Jacinta Limbrick's name has obviously been thrown around as a, as a great footballer uh, in, in Tassie football. If she threw her hat in the ring, would she be a shot? Um, definitely a shot. I mean, she kicks goals. I mean, she's been leading goal kicker the last two years in the competition. Oh, not so second last year and leading goal kicker this year. She, 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 she's a good mark. She's been in the state programs. The only thing probably against her is probably her age. I think she's 27, so maybe maybe age might hold her back a little bit. But again, saying that, Erin Phillips was 30-plus and she was the best player in the comp, so maybe not. But um, it'll, be, it'll be a choice they've got to make um, where they want to make make that lifestyle choice and stuff like that, where they're... Whether what other things are on the radar are more important, like family and kids and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's entirely up to up to the individual. But um, if I was a coach, I'd definitely be having a look at her. Um, whether she's draftable this year, next year, she'd be one that'd be on the radar, even though she's a little bit older than probably what most senior coaches are looking for at that level. Also, another one that uh, is on the radar. I believe you've got a 22 year old there at Clarence. If I'm correct, Nicole Bresnan is uh, is one that you think may be a chance. Yeah. Definitely, I mean, she nominated. She'd definitely be a chance. Um, athletically, she's as good as any anyone running around in, in the in the competition down here. Um, fantastic athlete. Um, probably the thing against her is that she plays predominantly midfield, which is probably the hardest spot to get drafted because every side's got strong midfields. Um, but 
I'd certainly, if you're looking for athletes, and again, she's probably just that 22 age probably just puts her outside all the all the testing and the criteria through state programs. So she's probably a little bit off the radar in that sense, but definitely an athlete. If one of the coaches rang me up from the AFLW and said, if you've got any talent there, she'd be probably the first name I'll put forward from a club level perspective to, um, to be an opportunity to get drafted. Another gun player, but unfortunately um, uh, wouldn't be able to play in the 2018 AFLW was Zoe Crawford. I believe that uh, she did her ACL in the preliminary final. In- incredibly hard luck. She joins the likes of, um, say, Jordan Zanchetta and uh, Jessica Trand, who both did their knees last year late in the season, as well as um, the likes of um, Renee Forth, who did her knee, Kiara Bowers, but we hear of these stories. But I guess the good thing for Zoe to look forward to is if she comes on the other side, does the rehab well, like we talked about at the top, there is the Tasmanian spots in the North Melbourne side that's going to be available, and hopefully that's something that she can look forward to. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the next 12 months is going to be pretty hard. She hasn't had the operation yet because she's done something to MCL. Well, the other part of her knees is waiting to heal and she had the operation the end of October. But, yeah, it's going to be 12 months on the sideline, so it'll probably be more of a, a test for her mental state. Does she want to keep playing footy and where does it all fit in? I mean, from... A club level and a coach, I hope she does come back bigger and stronger in 12 months. Actually, on the sidelines, gives us some time to actually probably put some time to coaching and on the other side of the game, which will actually help her footy when she comes back. But, yeah, it'll just be a hard 12 months for her. And, again, disappointing. I mean, I'm not too sure where, where she fits, as in where football fits in her life lifestyle as well. But, um, yeah, just injuries for anyone that's out for 12 months and anyone playing at the top level, like that's just... Just disappointing you. Yeah, you feel sorry for him. You can only help him as much as you can, and it's just going to be a hard twelve months um, to get through. And hopefully, she does come back and play, and she comes back a better player than what she was. Now, of course, uh, as we mentioned at the top about uh, uh, Tassie uh, supplying players to uh, North Melbourne for the 2019 AFLW system, you've obviously, as I said, uh, been involved in the under-18 programs. You were sent a lot of girls of 15-, 16-year-olds that are going to be hitting 18, 19, etc. Uh, when 2019 comes around. What do you think of the quality of the players coming through? Do we have enough that there will be a good half-dozen or more that are AFLW standard that should be able to help drive a side where, to be fair, the Victorian talent probably won't be at its best in North Melbourne because obviously it's been taken already by the other clubs. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, yeah, I do. I think there is a lot of talent coming through. Whether it's 2019 or 2020, I think there is a, a lot of talent. I mean, our youth girls competition just just hit the roof this year. Like the, the players and the ability of the, some of the girls, like it's it's fantastic. They need to learn how to play the game. They need to learn how to be in elite programs. But I think. North Melbourne are running academies here and stuff like that, and a lot of the girls, uh, you can see the improvement just just by their involvement in that. So, I, th- I think that definitely there will be the talent here. I mean, I'd, if I was a dad and I had kids at the age between 14 and 15, right about now, be the most exciting times of their lives. Once they get their all their schoolwork and all that sort of stuff and home sorted, the footy would be the next thing I'll be looking on their radar to do to encourage them to do because the opportunities are there. And again, if you're a young lady or a young girl at this stage, you've got more chance, I think, of getting drafted than what you have if you're a male. So I think, yeah, the dads out there have got daughters in that age group, they should get pretty excited because I think that the, the time going forward, the next two or three years, is going to be really exciting for female footy in Tassie. Just, just quietly, of course, uh, a former Clarence player of yours, former captain and absolute superstar, was Jessica Wuchner. There hasn't been the phone call to her saying, come on, mate, after next year, come home, come home. <laughs> Um, I'd love Wish to come home, but um, at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't take her dream away for for one minute. Um, I hope she plays as long as she can. She's a long time retired, and I think she's done a fantastic job to get herself from where she was when I first started coaching at Clarence to actually getting drafted, and the person she's turned into is just remarkable.
Well, Andy, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. And uh, we wish for you and all the Tasmanians a very successful draft. And let's hope as many get picked up as possible, which shows uh, the light for many girls to start taking up the game and uh, hopefully making a very successful Tassie Kangaroo side come 2019. Not a problem, Peter. Thanks for the time. So we've looked at the South Australian and Tasmanian players. We're going to turn our attention now to WA, New South Wales and Queensland. But that's all coming up on the other side of this break here at RSN Carnival. This is Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, our AFL Women's Pre-Draft Edition. Time to turn our attention now to WA, and I've got on the line former Collingwood assistant coach in the AFLW. She coached the WA WFL under-23s against the Queensland under-23s back in the middle of the year. She knows about that upcoming talent that's coming through that could be going onto the Dockers list. It's great to have on the line Nikki Harwood. Nikki, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me, Peter. Great to have you on the line. Now, just quickly before we j- jump in and have a look at the possible draftees that could be taken by Fremantle for the 2018 season. For you personally, how did you find uh, taking on a coaching role in 2017 in the inaugural season of AFLW? A massive honour. It was just a great privilege to be a part of it. Um, to be at Collingwood uh, was uh, just just absolutely mind-blowing to walk through those walls and to be in the inner sanctum of Collingwood was just incredible. Um, to work with, um, obviously... Um, the coaches and that at, at Collingwood there with the women's team and uh, with Wayne, Wayne Seekman and um, and the other guys was fantastic. And to have Nathan Buckley just up the hallway that I could chat to any time was, yeah, just can't say any more, really. I had a great experience. Well, now you're back in WA. And you've, <laughs> had to, you've had a close look at some of the talent that's coming through because it's fair to say, isn't it, the, the, the microscope's really now on the WA talent, particularly for Frio, that they've got to get it right over the next year or two because from 2020 they've got competition from West Coast Eagles. Yeah, that's right. I think uh, from uh, from the Western uh, West Australia's point of view, we're disappointed that um, – the, the West Coast Eagles didn't get in in 2019, but also very, um, you know, proud that they're going to have two. We're going to have two teams in um, 2020. So definitely, Fremantle need to definitely draft well um, to to boost their team and to also solidify their their team for the next couple of years. There's no doubt about that. Five players from WA were invited to the uh, draft combine. Uh, two of them I know you you've seen in the past. Um, I believe in the Perth Angels, uh, Rachel Ashley. Yes, made an amazing athlete. She surprised me um, at 23s. Um, as you mentioned, I coached them. I only got brought in three weeks before they went away, so I had six training sessions with those 23s, and um, Rachel Ashley was one that definitely stood out. Um, and throughout the two-game series versus Queensland, she um, was awarded best on ground by the opposition team for both games. So she's an amazing athlete off a half-back line who attacks the ball very well extremely athletic and just yeah she's uh, an amazing talent very aerial uh her aerial skills are great and her ground ball skills are are sensational as well and how about from uh, west perth ashton hill great she is she's a tough nut she's very unassuming she's got a very um unique kicking style she's uh not not very orthodox in, in in um you know in correct kicking techniques and all that but so effective you know so she is just an absolute ball hunter um, she is slight built very much like um, Rachel Ashley but is just not afraid to get in and, and win a one-on-one contest and is just a very good gut runner will run all day for you I guess probably the, the biggest name out of that five at the moment is Kate Bartlett from the Peel Thunderbirds who has starred uh, over the last couple of youth girls carnivals for WA and I think even the leading goal kicker uh, in, in this recent edition of the youth girls carnivals 
Yeah, that's right. I haven't seen much of her. I haven't seen much of the under-18s at all, unfortunately. But um, from what I know of her, she kicked seven goals against uh, New South Wales ACT and was the leading goal scorer uh, from all teams at the um, 18s championships. Um, apparently very skillful and just knows where the goals are. Uh, the other two being Taylor McAuliffe and uh, Sonia Derizzi uh, from Swan Districts and South Fremantle, uh, respectively. Um, turning our focus to some of the more mature players, uh, Jodie White uh, took out the league best and fairest and coastal titans. Do you see her as a possibility of being picked up? It's tough. Oh, she's a fantastic player. She has been for a long time. Um, you know, I played with her years ago, and then she had a little bit of time off when she moved up north and just came back this year and took out the league best and fairest, and she's in mid-30s. Um, so I'm not sure if Fremantle will take a chance on her to only have her for one or two years um, or if they will go with somebody um, younger, possibly like an Alicia Jantz. Um, so, yeah, so Jody White, a sensational player, just um, great tap ruck, um, follows up well and is, is very effective all over the ground. Um and just goes about her business very quietly, but just does it well. So I rate her highly, but I don't know if Fremantle will take a chance on her due to her age. As you alluded to earlier, of course, uh, you coached the WA under-23s in that two-game series uh, up in Queensland. Uh, out of that bunch of players, we, we've mentioned uh, before about Ashley and Hill, who really did impress you that you think that might be a bit of a smoky, a possible chance of being picked up with a lot of picks from Fremantle? Uh, probably those two would be would probably be the best ones. The other one that I would look at, oh sorry, there's two that I, I would probably look at. Um, Evangeline Gooch from East Fremantle. Um, she took out the East Fremantle Best and Fairest um, award this year. Um, very great midfielder. She's just got a really solid body um, for her age and just knows where the where the footy is. It's just very calm and composed every time she's around the footy and can play forward and kick goals. Um, I think she used to be a, a goalkeeper for Perth Glory and just chose football this year. Um, she had played a couple of years ago but just came back to footy again. Um, so she would be hot up there for Frio's picks. Uh, also, uh, Jasmine Stewart from Claremont, who is a, a midfielder as well, has got a deadly left foot on her. So she she should be up there in, in the rankings as well, I think. And as we mentioned, because you coached against uh, Queensland's under-23s, uh, very much in the same position as WA, where the Gold Coast Suns will come into the competition in 2020. From just your brief overview of the two games that you got to see, what did you think of the Queensland talent and uh, their chances uh, should they be coming through and obviously playing for the Gold Coast? Does it look like there could be uh, another Queensland side up at the top half of the ladder? Oh, potentially. I mean, I guess who you know, it's the the games were so unpredictable this year with the AFLW season that you didn't know who was going to be at the top or you know who was going to finish where. So it's great that Brisbane finished where they were. Oh, look, the game, the two games that WA played against Queensland uh, in the under twenty threes, they they did really well. They beat us convincingly. So there's no doubt if you you know look at their talent there at the um, younger end that they should have two very competitive teams. Well, Nikki, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy, and uh, we wish you all your very best with your coaching, wherever that may take you now in the future. And who knows, you know, there could be a very comfy chair waiting for you at the West Coast Eagles in a couple of years' time at that new stadium. <laughs> that would be very nice.
Yeah. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. Now we turn our attention to Giants territory, New South Wales and ACT. And I've got our Sydney reporter on the line in Lauren Hodson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, really well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line as we near the draft and we see which girls are going to have their dreams come true and play AFLW football. If we're correct, there'll be five primary list spots that the Giants have to uh, fill and uh, three rookie spots. So let's get cracking into it. The name that everyone's been talking about, Lauren, um, has been Pippa Smythe. Uh, I think she's out of the Black Diamond League. This is her stats from the Combine. Um, in a two-kilometre time trial, eight minutes, five seconds. In a vertical dr- jump, she was in the top five at 57 centimetres. The running vertical jump, she's in the top two at 65 centimetres. She topped the smart speed 20 metre sprint at 3.24 seconds. In the yo-yo test, 16.4 to register in the top half dozen there. The only one that she didn't feature in the top ten of with the smart speed agility. Yeah, look, she definitely tested well, um, and, and you are correct. Uh, Pippa does play in the Black Diamond League. She plays for the uh, Nelson Bay Marlins. But, yeah, definitely had a, a fantastic testing at the Combine. And uh, she only actually made the AFLW Combine after fellow New South Wales player, uh, and someone we'll probably talk about later, Ali Delgano Fixter, um, was a late withdrawal. So um, great chance for, for Pippa uh, to show off uh, her, her athletic abilities um, at the Combine. Uh, when she plays for Nelson Bay, uh, she generally plays uh, uh, as a ruck forward um, but has a, a netball background and, and is sort of comfortable with defence as well. So um, I think her results will definitely um, sort of put her name on the radar um, and, you know, the Giants uh, probably do need some, some taller players in their stocks Um so it'll be interesting to see if she gets picked up, not without a chance there. And uh, her testing's definitely uh, um, increased her chances uh, to to get on the list. Just quickly, how big would that be for football around the Central Coast and Newcastle region if they got one early into the GWS system? Oh, look, I think it'd be fantastic. I mean, it was only their... Um, was it their... Their third season, I think, of, of women's footy this year. Um, in their first season, I think they only had something like four or six teams, and in their second season, they had ten. So the game's already growing on its own. To be able to say they've got a local product uh, that would be playing in the Giants or getting onto the Giants list, um, it'd be a massive uh, boost for the competition and, and their youth girls up there as well. One girl that's been coming through the system over a number of years to keep an eye on, Chloe Arndt. Yeah, Chloe's um, been strong at youth girls levels for um, many years now. She first played in the youth girls nationals for New South Wales ACT as a 14-year-old in the under-18s comp. So um, showed her her talents and, uh, you know, early on. Um, she's also um, carried through that strong form in youth girls footy to senior footy this year, playing with the East Coast, East Coast Eagles, pardon me, uh, who played their first season of Sydney uh, women's footy this year. Um, Forward come midfielder, um, can kick a few goals here and there, uh, great skills, good strong body, and um, I think she's a, a real chance of, of getting picked up. Um, and I think the fact that she's played some consistently strong and good senior footy um, is a real tick for her. Let's look at the name that you mentioned earlier that was a late withdrawal in Ali Dalgrano Fixter. 
Yeah, she's uh, Ellie's from the Riverina Lions, and they play in the AFL Canberra competition. Uh, so Ellie's played in a few uh, youth girls games for. Uh, um, in the area representing the Riverina Lions. Um, she's a promising ruck who, who likes to push forward and kick a couple of goals. Um, and as I mentioned, because she plays in the Lions, she's actually played quite a bit of senior footy um, as well as having the experience at top-level youth girl, girls footy and national sides. Um, she's also a gun cricketer, so she's got experience at, at different sports at very high levels. Um, so I think that'll help with sort of coming into an elite environment in AFLW. So... Um, I think along with Chloe uh, Arndt, she's a, a strong chance of um, of being picked up. And, and again, being a, a ruck, um, I think the Giants need need a bit more height on their list. Uh, they're looking for a bit of speed. Uh, Hanin Zarika, uh, 7 minutes 51 seconds in the two-kilometre time trial to rank uh, third there. And uh, she also uh, registered in the yo-yo test at 16.3, putting her in about the top half dozen. Yeah, look, um, she's definitely got a good engine. She's really quick as well, as you mentioned, uh, which was shown with her AFLW Combine uh, testing results. Um, definitely a standout at youth girls level. She's one name that we've, we've heard quite a bit, um, especially this year. Uh, she's probably yet to show that same level of dominance in senior footy. Um, she has been named in, in the best players a few times. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think she's had the same impact on games in senior footy uh, as she has in youth girls. And, look, that's to be expected. Obviously, you know, as a 17-, 18-year-old playing against people your own age, um, more likely to be a bit of a standout. Um, but, look, obviously in her favour is her speed and um, endurance. So it'll be an interesting name to watch. Um, and if she doesn't get picked up this year, I'm sure it'll be one we continue to hear. Another name amongst the mix that was invited to the combine was Nikki Steele. Yeah, um, look, you know, we've mentioned a few people so far that have had uh, strong youth girls' careers, I guess you could say. Um, Nikki Steele plays as a defender. Uh, she's quite tall and, and lean and moves the ball well out of the back line. Um, Played predominantly uh, youth girls junior footy so far. Or, however, she did manage to play a couple of senior games this year, which I think will put her in good stead. Um, so perhaps similar to um, Zurika, um, you know, strong standout at, at youth girls level. Um, maybe not a strong chance to get picked up, but I think if, she's, if it's not this year, she'll definitely be a name that we're hearing of um, and potentially picked up within the next couple of years. So uh, a good prospect there. Let's look ahead to some of the more senior players. Uh, one name that's been thrown about for a bit um, has played representative football. In fact, came down to Victoria to play in the draft trial game a couple of years ago. A regular fixture, the Canberra scene, Karina DeMont. Yeah, look, KD, I mean, I saw her play a bit in Canberra um, and when I was involved with, uh, when I worked at, at AFL in Canberra, I um, was fortunate enough to be a, a line coach for her. Look, she's a goal-kicking machine, um, has played for East Lake Demons for a number of years now in the Canberra comp. Uh, I think she kicked 68 goals this year and she kicked 62 last year. Um, and as you mentioned, she had been drafted previously. I think it were in contention uh, by the Demons in, in one of the exhibition games. Um, she's a dominant forward. You know, we went over stats before um you know fantastic lead really strong uh accurate kick um she also brings her crumbing teammates into the game with quick handballs off so i think the giants should really look closely at, at kd um as in their first season they really struggled for goal kickers when they they did get it into their forward line um and you know there has been some criticism that uh she doesn't sort of have that 
that second, you know, th- that second aspect of her game. But um, I mean, she's such a dominant forward. Um, she's she's really worked on, um, you know, in- increasing her her skills and impact on the game. And I think she'd um she'd be a really good addition for the Giants. Another well-known name is uh, Christy De Pellegrini. Yeah, look, um, Christy's a, a former teammate of mine at Southern Power, and I say former because I, I don't play anymore. Um, if not for injury, I think Christy may have been re-signed by the Giants for their second season. Uh, she did sit out most of, of this season in the AFL Sydney comp, uh, recovering from surgery um, for a, a, a leg injury. Um, but she's been talked up as a chance to get picked up by a couple of the big Victorian clubs in Collingwood and Carlton. So, um I think she's definitely a name to, to watch and, and with the chance of getting picked up. Um, I'd obviously love to see her playing for Collingwood, being a, a Magpies fan. Uh, and I said, look, she, she had a good first season, played the first six games of the AFLW uh, season for the Giants and only missed the last game due to illness. And in a struggling team, she was rock solid in defence. So I think uh, she can prove her fitness. She's definitely a chance to get uh, picked up by one of the teams uh, for the second season. And since you mentioned Victoria, former Victorian, currently up in New South Wales, Phoebe Monaghan. Yeah, look, Phoebe's had a, a great season for the uh, UNSW Stingrays, who obviously won the premiership. Uh, she's been a midfielder, often named in their best, um, advocating a few goals as well. And she's really good at the stoppages. Uh, and, and I suppose her performance over the year was recognised in her uh, making the AFL Sydney Women's Team of the Year. So I think she's a, a strong chance and, um, you know, could be running around in Giants colours um, at the start of the season, or at the start of the year, I should say. The big question mark, of course, is Jodie Hicks. Uh, we know a talented cricketer as well. And like uh, facing the, the the choice for Courtney Webb in Tasmania, uh, Emma Carney and Christy Lamb had to make the choice between cricket and footy. Uh, they'll play WBBL but not state cricket uh, to concentrate on football. That same uh, choice faces Jodie Hicks. Yeah, look, I'm not sure what... Um what her status is with, with cricket at the moment. Um, obviously last year she played for the ACT Meteoroars and the Sydney Sixers in the, in the Big Bash League. Um, she has, I think, made Australian squads for, for one day tournaments as well. So obviously an elite cricketer there. Um, she's another one that's been a strong performer at youth girls national levels as well. Um, I think she might only be 20. So she's quite a young person. Um, I think if it wasn't for her cricket, she'd be a, a lock to take up a spot, uh, on the Giants list. Um, but that may be the only sort of, um, I suppose, factor that sort of may may get in her way is that if um, cricket sort of, you know, uh, doesn't allow her um, to, to uh, you know, I suppose go into the draft or if um, a team would not be prepared to pick her up because she's playing cricket. But I think um, if if cricket wasn't there, I think she'd be a shoe-in to to get picked up. Um, A great footballer. You know, we've spoken a lot about athletes with the the testing and whatnot, um, Peter, but having seen Jodie's one of the players I have seen play a bit um, in person and, yeah, just a a great footballer, good brain and and good skills and, yeah, would be an asset to um, any side. There's a handful of what I dub internationals uh, currently in the Sydney competition, one Brett and two Irish players. And just to know your thoughts uh, on on their quality and again if they'll be picked up as rookies we're starting to learn that two out of the three uh, rookie spots can be for internationals one of them is Frankie Hocking out of the Newtown Breakaways who uh, starred for the GB Swans in this International Cup and another two regular fixtures of course uh, for the UTS Shamrocks and Gillian Behan and Carol Breen 
Yeah, look, I think of those three, Frankie Hocking um, may be the best chance to get picked up and, and that could be as an international rookie. Um, she played for Great Britain in the International Cup this year and also made the interchange bench uh, for the IC uh, world team. So I think she's the, the best chance there, um, which would be a great coup for her local club team, the Newtown Breakaways. Well, let's hope so. As we said, that um, uh, she was training with the Giants before they cut their list as, as an academy last year. We know she was devastated when she got cut and didn't make it. Let's hope that um, that the fire's renewed in her belly and uh, that she gets a second look in this year. So there we have it. That is uh, New South Wales and ACT players possibly picked up in the draft. Uh, Lauren Hodson, thank you very much for your time. We wish you an enjoyable summer and best of luck uh, to your Giants when you wear your Sydney Siders hat as they go about the 20- 2018 AFLW season. That's it. Look, it's been a, a good season talking about footy with you every week, Peter, and I'm um, looking forward to the draft and uh, the second season of AFLW. Heading up north now to the home of the Brisbane Lions, who went through undefeated through the home and away season in 2017, but couldn't bring home the chocolates in the AFLW Grand Final at Metricon Stadium. Maybe they'll go one better this year. They've got plenty to choose from in the Sunshine State, and the man who's got his finger on the pulse is the 27. 16 Coolangatta Tweed Quaffle Premiership coach. His name is Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Oh, Peter, fabulous. Missing football already. Uh, but uh, the weather is starting to hit up up here. And um, yeah, it's, it's why you live in Queensland, mate. So it's all good. It's hard to believe, isn't it, heading into um, this draft, that for the Brisbane Lions, who essentially didn't lose a game until grand final day, that there will be up to 11 spots available on their list. Eight on the primary list, three on the rookie. The extra shot being opened up, of course, because unfortunately Sam Virgo did an injury. So uh, plenty of opportunities, and um, it's virtually unheard of, a grand final team to virtually turn over about a third of their team. Yeah, look, it's going to be going to be massive. I mean, a lot of those girls that played on Grand Final Day will be will be stepping out again for the Lions in 2018. Um, but you know, there's a I think out of the sides too, you've, you've probably another thing to consider when you look at the Lions side as opposed to uh, particularly the Victorian clubs and WA. Um, you know, they they were virtually able to keep the, the same same uh, 22 players. Um, in each week as well. So that makes a big difference. Um, and a lot of the girls that sort of got delisted uh, at the end of 2017 didn't really get um, too many games. Some of them no games at all. So it was a bit, bit different for them as opposed to the likes of some of the other sides like Carlton and Bulldogs who you know, played, the majority of the list played at least one game. So a big difference there. But I think the majority of the, those girls that played in the grand final are, still make up the core. But it definitely opens up uh, massive opportunities for for some young girls and even some girls that have been pressing in the last couple of years, some new girls to AFL in Queensland that probably don't know a lot, uh, aren't well known, but, but did quite well in the combine. So it'd be quite interesting, Peter. Let's have a look through some of those combine results and um, how we think some of the players will go. A player that we've been uh, raving about uh, over the last couple of seasons has been Renee Cowan. Unlucky not to be picked up for season 2017. Surely would have to be picked up for 2018 after winning a premiership with the Devils. And at the combine, finished third in the vertical jump at 58 centimetres. In the uh, running vertical jump, uh, she was in the uh, top 10 with 54. In the smart speed 20 metres sprint, she was third at 3.3. In fact, it's tied second, rather. In the yo-yo test, um, she 
put in at 6.1, which is in the top 10, and in the Smart Speed Agility in the top five at 8.726. Yeah, she's, she's a bit of an athlete um, and good size as well. Um, you know, she's still started off in defence, hasn't sort of ventured too far away from that, but I think that's exactly where she needs to be. Um, look, I, I, I know you say she's probably unlucky uh, not to play in the first season, but I, I think the timing's right on this one. I, I think um, it was probably a good move to give her another season in the quaffle, and um, I think I think if, if it's going to be her opportunity, it, it's going to be this year. Um, in terms of where they might see her in the side, I mean, obviously a few of the defenders did get delisted, so you know, she's obviously at least going to take up that spot. But I think she could find herself a, a regular a regular starter for the Lions. Um, She's she. The beauty about her, I love, is is the fact she can play on a small or a tall. So I like that about her. And I mean, the test results um, you know, make make that pretty obvious uh, in in terms of who she can play on. But I think she's definite chance um, for for next year. So but besides from the athleticism, um, she runs hard. She's she's very good overhead, uh, especially for someone who's only been playing the game um, for not even not even two years. Um, and 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 attacks it hard as well, which is what I really like about about Renee Cowan. So yeah, look to look to see what she may do uh, on the big stage this year, next year coming. Let's have a look at three Cool and Gatter players that you would have seen over the journey: um, Ruby Blair, Ariana Clark, and uh, Kalinda Howworth. Yeah, a oh, lot of love for these these three. Um, I'd probably be a little bit biased on this on this one, but I. I, I those three in particular, three very different players, um, each in their own right. So they're not sort of going to be competing against each other, I would have thought, um, too much for spots, but they each definitely give something different um, to a sign. They're all quite versatile as well. Um, you know, seen both Ari and Ruby uh, play through the middle, play through defence. Um, you know, Ruby, um, a bit small Ari, a bit bigger of body. Um, both players, good, over, good overhead, even Ruby for a size. Both use their body extremely well, um, particularly Ruby for her size as well. Um, very smart, uses the football beautifully. Uh, I've been, been been around been around uh, been around Ruby for for a little while, and I think it's taken a few people up here to get on the bandwagon. But definitely, um, I, I can't see her not not getting drafted into a side. Um, Ariana, very versatile. Uh, and other lines will probably look to use her if, if anywhere down down back. Um, but yeah, she she does have a lot of versatility. Smart, uses the ball well, um, strong. Both both those players super courageous as well. Um, and and Kalinda, well, geez, if you haven't watched Kalinda play football, you've definitely got to do yourself a favour and 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 watch that. Um, she's excitement. Um, you know, not not overly super fast and. There's not a lot too 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 kindy. Um, I think they'll be getting there in the gym pretty hard. But um, look, she's she adds a lot to a forward line, um, but can push up the ground and knows when to do it as well and get involved. Um, she's she's not afraid to do that. Um, very very elusive, uh, very lovely leg, great finisher. Um, it can set up players, and I think in that sort of coming through the junior ranks, she was sort of one of the only sort of players in her team that. Had the ability to do do much, um, being being the best player inside by a long way. But um, you know, when she come come across and coaching her uh, last couple of years, 
it's um, you know the big thing for her was getting her to bring other people into the game, and she definitely has the ability to do that. And has a beautiful kick, so if she's not in range, um, she definitely knows how to find a target as well. So uh, look, all three of those you'd be expecting to to definitely find themselves um, on an upper list, whether they whether it's uh, this year um, with the Lions, but the Suns will be be hoping to get their hands on those those girls as well. So. Yeah, it'd be all interesting to see how that takes shape. Three University of Queensland girls also went down to the Combine. Uh, Emma Pittman, Jessica Henning and Gabby Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Gabby and Jessie um, both come through uh, under-18s ranks. Uh, the Lions know those girls and what they're capable. And they've been developing um, along the way. Um, Gabby, small, small player, very smart, very good overhead. Uses the ball brilliantly. Um, got a great engine. Um, can use the ball inside in traffic, but also knows how to get on the outside. And 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 when she's dangerous as well when she gets a footy on the outside. So um, I think the big thing with these, much similar to to the Cool and Gatter girls, it's going to be whether it's going to be sort of this year to next year. Um, you know, they're still young. They've got so much football ahead of them. So see how they develop. Um, Jesse Henning, tall, versatile player. UQ used a half forward. And half back in the ruck, um, got a good motor and, and, and covers the ground uh, quite well as well for, for a really tall girl. So, um, you know, how she develops could be anything that she's probably the, the interesting one um, to see what what's what might be in store or how, uh, how coach, um, how the Lions decide to, to use her if, if, if they do so at all. And um, Emma Pittman, oh, she's, she's an outstanding uh, player, loved, loved watching her. Uh, progress um, over the last couple of years, and um, yeah, she's uh, last couple of games I saw her play. Um, wow, almost almost look look like a new new play, new Emma Pittman, and she's very very good in traffic. Um, uses the ball well. I think her skill has been sort of the one thing she's definitely needed to improve on um, over the last couple of years. Um, her skills haven't always been um, by foot mainly, um, been probably. Up to the standard that that you you know the lines would be wanting their, their players to be using the ball, but um, in traffic and, and tough and and just knows how to how to uh, yeah remove the ball from from a pack, extricate that, and and then um, get her side moving forward and, and and dangerously as well. So very good at linking up and um, goes in tough. Only small small player, but um, you know like a couple of these girls are. But look, I mean when you're talking women's football. Now, the tall players are really only that sort of 175 to 180 is a very tall um, player. So, I mean, these girls that are sort of around that sort of 160 mark, 165, so there's only about sort of five to ten centimetres difference between them and the key position players sometimes. So, um, you know, we, we saw what Richmond did with the, with the small forward line. It's going to be very interesting. And 16 aside opens it up as well. So, it, it's you know, there, there can be perks to... to um, to recruiting recruiting girls like that. So it'd be, be very interesting to see, and she obviously tested really well as did Emma Fitman. One player who didn't go down for the combine, but we suggest would have to be a Monty to be picked up in the draft by the Brisbane Lions, would be Jordan Zanchetta. Yeah, I'll look, he's been, been playing consistent footy in, in Queensland for, for a while and, and, and doing a very good job at it as well. Uh, Jordan, so yeah, look, I, th- I think if anything, <laughs> um, it's just a good news story, really. So, um, had that ACL and would have been, you know, she would have been, been a very emotional time for her not, not to, um, 
you know, make it into the inaugural side. But um, you know, she's still a young player and has a lot of lot of time ahead of her. So you know, we know we know what she can do. She's played in some exhibition matches, and um, I think she'll definitely. I uh, can come to the fore. How, how she gets used is probably going to be the interesting thing. She's probably the smallest out of all of those players, um, but but rarely misses a target, uses the football really well by hand and foot, and um, quite elusive as well. Not not super quick, um, but has good pace over that sort of first couple of steps, um, and, and very, yeah, very elusive. So it makes her handy in traffic. I know they were trying to use her in the exhibition games um, as that small forward, um, crumbing type player. I mean, she's probably played her best football um, towards the middle of the ground, but where there's going to be a spot for her um, in the Lions um, with that. But, I mean, the way that the running's happening and the, the six on the bench, I think a lot of players need to be able to run through the midfield. So there's definitely a spot for her in the side. What role they um, have Jordan play, um, let, let, that's barring she definitely gets picked up. Um, you, you know, you'd, you'd think that she, she will. There's no reason not. Uh, not to, I would have thought, but um, it'd be a good news story, definitely, for the Lions. And if anything, what, what better reason to, to pick up Jordy Zanchetta? But yeah, brilliant user of the football, and it'd be great to see her pull on a Lions jersey. Now, of course, we know for the Brisbane Lions, they have exclusive access to that Queensland draft pool. So out of the eight players they have to pick for the primary list, it can be in any order. It, it, they don't have to necessarily get the best player possible because there's no one else trying to jump in and poach it before them. So if you were to put on Craig Starcevich's hat for the moment, who would you take as the number one draft pick? Would you take the best under-18 that's coming through and say, here's the youth of the future? Or do you go with the feel-good story? Do you go, let's pick Jordan as pick number one, so therefore we can try and highlight to the girls that do do injuries during the year and miss out on draft selection because of those injuries that be like Jordan, keep going, you'll get your chance next time round. Yeah, oh, look, you, you put it pretty well there, Peter. You've sold it to me already. <laughs> but no, look. I think, um, yeah, you're right. It's going to have no bearing on the on on what happens um, with the, with that access with the draft who gets picked up first. But I think that's probably going to make more sense if anything. Um, you know, picking up someone like that, like Jordy Zanchetta uh, at number one um, pick for her. I mean, I still I still want to see her play a fair bit more football. There's still not a lot of football she's played. Um, since doing her injury as well. So, um, I mean, r- regardless of that, I mean, as she said, she's been playing um, consistent football for a long time. But I'd say, yeah, that's probably going to be, be the most likely story rather than trying to split one of uh, one of the youngsters or one of the uh, up-and-coming like, cross-coders like a, a Pittman or a Cowan. So um, it's probably probably what, uh, what I would do and probably, <laughs> potentially <laughs> what Craig will do as well. Those footballers, of course, being eight favourites to possibly take up the eight primary list positions. And, of course, um, uh, there's also three rookie spots to fill. So uh, testing your knowledge right off the top of your head, who are some dark horses that are amongst the pack that, who knows, could be picked up as a, a, a late pick, a surprising pick? Yeah, look, I think there definitely will be. Um, you know, I think um, there wasn't a, I would have thought a lot of surprises, so to speak, um, in last year's draft, maybe one or two that may have uh, surprised me. Maybe a rough type player, um, perhaps like a Lauren Bella. Uh, so she's she's a North Queensland product, um, and I know, and I've been 
in, in Queensland, been pretty uh, keen on getting Lauren playing a lot of quaffle games and coming down whenever she can for that. Um, I, I know rough wise, she's very good in the taps, very hard at it. Still, a lot to learn about the game, um, but someone like that could be could be that surprise uh, surprise pickup. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you again next year when we focus on what's happening in Queensland's women's football and the QWAFL. Uh, pleasure, as always. Peter. So we've covered SA, a quick look at NT, Tasmania, New South Wales, ACT, WA and Queensland. All that's left is the Big V, and we'll have that coming up on the other side of the break here at RSN Carnival. You're listening to Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, our AFL Women's Pre-Draft Edition. The AFL Women's Draft is coming up on Wednesday, October 18th, and it'll be run between 12pm and 2pm and streamed live via the AFL website. Now we look at the important draft pool, the Victorian one. It's the only competitive draft pool where four clubs will vie to try and pick the best players, being Carlton, Collingwood, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. To take an in-depth look at the Victorian draft pool I have on the line, 2012 Spurs Reserves Premiership player and of course co-founder of Girls Play Footy in Katie Lembeski. Katie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Thank you very much for having me. Great to have you on the line. We are finally here. We are counting down the days to the AFLW draft. All the speculation will be cast aside on Wednesday, October 18th, when the coaches uh, come to the microphone and yell out who they want. But before we go into absolute detail of some of the Victorians that we think will be picked up, some of the diamonds in the rough to look for, I'm going to hit you straight between the eyes with it. Who is pick number one. There's been a lot of talk about either Malloy or Huntington. If you're there, if you're Paul Groves, you're stepping up to represent the Western Bulldogs, who do you take as pick one? Based on everything I've seen of her this season, it's none other than Chloe Malloy. Uh, what a dynamic partnership she'll form up for with um, Katie Brennan. Uh, I, don't think you, I don't think anybody can look past her at this point. Um, it should be a fitting number one pick, and the dogs uh, are in a great position to snap her up. I think one thing that people need to keep in mind about when they look at Malloy, who uh, tied for the leading goal kicker this year with Katie Brennan, some may argue the point of, well, you know, Katie was the better goal kicker clearly because she missed uh, about half her games and then uh, got a bag of them on the run home. But it should also be pointed out uh, to Katie with Malloy is that uh, Scott Gowan's actually got to do a bit of midfield work through the year. Uh, one game against Darabin at Preston, she ran through the midfield. And then in another game against the St Kilda Sharks, where for the first half she was sent to tag uh, Brianna Davies. So she didn't spend all her time up for it because essentially Scott wanted to prove to the recruiters that she can just do more than kick goals. Yeah, well, it's a great move on his part and a great education for her as well. So it's one of those cases where everybody wins and it's great that Diamond Creek and Scott Gowans took that opportunity to, to, to do that. I think with the 16-a-side format of AFLW, you've got to be a bit more creative in the way you use players and sometimes that might mean forwards pushing up the ground I mean Katie Brennan is elite at that and if the more Chloe Malloy continues to kind of add those strings to the bow it's more you know it's a more of a boon for her and a boon for the boot and well what I would assume the Western Bulldogs now, the unlucky one in our scenario, not getting pick one, even though they well and truly could take her as pick one, is Isabel Huntington. Safe to say, Katie, up until when she did her knee at Witten Oval uh, September last year, 
Izzy Huntington was going to be for the 2018 season's draft, the number one draft pick. She was an absolute lock, an absolute guarantee. She was head and shoulders above everyone. And unfortunately, the knee happened. And I guess it's a case, Katie, of not that she's gone backwards. I mean, we don't know. She hasn't played. So there's no you know, real way of knowing you know, how she'll be when she comes back as a player. Because obviously, there will be a time period of adjustment. But I, is it fair to say that essentially it's not easy went backwards. Everyone else caught up and in case of Malloy just went past. Yeah, we, I mean, generally we're in an era of the rising quality at state level and as AFLW level. So, you know, it's and things can change very quickly. Things can happen very quickly and new stars can emerge as we've seen with Colin Malloy. Um, I'm, I'm still big on her. I hope... She's, I hope you know the knee has pulled up okay. I hope she's recovered well and gone up to, gone back to full fitness and to what she's capable of and to what, you know, to help be a star at, AFL, at AFLW level, which I'm sure, as you, which as you mentioned, was um, was what she was pegged to be. Uh, she'll be. I've, I've, got, I've got confidence. You know, just give her a bit of time, and I think she has the potential to be a, a star of the competition. Keen to know your thoughts on some other players. Um, there seems to be some conjecture around who will go three or four in the Victorian draft. Uh, names such as Monique Conti. Um, she had missed a bit of football because of basketball commitments and factors. Has got a unique contract that will allow her to play some WNBL and play AFLW. Um, she's probably going to be in that hunt for the third Victorian pick alongside uh, a player that's come along very well this year, and Darcy Guttridge had a fantastic uh, youth girls carnival up there in Queensland. I'm just having a look now at the combine stats. Um, she was a 56 in the running vertical jump, so uh, that put her again amongst the top uh, half dozen there, and uh, with smart speed agility was an 8.723, which made her fourth on that list. So she's got a bit of leap, got a bit of agility, and um, again, it's a start on a big stage in the Nationals. Um, will the Bulldog end up getting her? Um, in what well, depends on depends on what attitude that they take to the draft. Again, I would probably I would lean Malloy at this point, but I can see them doing that as well with the loss of Jamie Lambert, which you know, which might factor into things. So there's you've got a, you've got a few X factors to throw around. But yeah, it's another it's another talent that's come up through the ranks. Um, yeah, a fantastic young player, and I. And I'm sure she has big raps on her, and that people can, and that recruiters will, you know, take full notice of her. She, I'm expecting her to go pretty high up, but I just can't see that number one pick going to her. With Monique Conti as well, as we suggest, would be pick six overall in the national draft, pick four as a Victorian. I look at her because I've, the only time I've seen her has been the semi-final. I've seen the stats and I've seen that she's played well when she has been in the side leading up to the finals of Melbourne Uni. Again, she spent some time out because of basketball. The game I saw her in the semi-final against the St Kilda Sharks got a handful of possessions, but in my money, that wasn't an impressive performance to on that game alone to um, sway the recruiters to go any higher. She seemed to get caught out wide into some hurried handballs. So obviously she will be a star player, but um, it wasn't probably perhaps the breakout finals game, which maybe could have shot her up the draft order. Yeah, I mean, you've got to take those opportunities to make a name for yourself, but I wonder how much of that had to do with Melbourne Uni struggles as a whole. You know, a bit of an up and down kind of season. You have to decide superstars and you know, at a young age, you kind of, I guess you kind of struggle to be that leader when the team's down. I mean, 
you're kind of down sometimes. So I wonder if that plays any factor. But yeah, um, I can I can see why people still would be very high on her. You know, I I hope that that doesn't make a factor. That isn't a factor in what the recruiters look at. But you know, I can definitely I can uh, you can definitely see that side of the argument. As much as we talk about um, uh, Chloe Malloy a lot being picked number one, uh, the next one we don't think will be picked number one. We think she'll be probably a second-round draft pick. But it's easily that everyone's forgotten her name because she was actually TAC Cup Girls' joint best and fairest with Chloe Malloy. And that's Bridie Kennedy, who ended up playing VFLW football with Cranbourne this year, switching between the rack and in defence. And she actually impressed at the combine. Try these uh, numbers on for size. In the two-kilometre trial, she was 7 minutes, 29 seconds. 11 seconds ahead of the next nearest person being Jasmine Hewitt. So she's dominated there. Also as well, um, Kennedy is a 51 in the running vertical jump. As I go through in the yo-yo test, she was 17.3, taking that out. So we know that uh, she's got a tag and that she can go. And I, I just have a look at her and I go... She's got some size, but not enough to compete against the Emma Kings of this world. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's more used as a, a key position defender. Yeah, and they're kind of uh, at a premium these days. You've got superstar forwards, so you know you need those you need those key position defenders to help lock them down in the league, I guess. And um, that's where I see she can really fit in. I mean, the results are just so so impressive. I mean, she grabbed the headlines early early in the combine so really positive results and I can I wonder just how much that sways you know recruiters to take her maybe a little bit you know earlier with maybe the, the second pick of the Victorian draft so uh, interesting times for sure I mean you can't, those players have a you know those players don't come around very often and you want to take the chance on them when you know once you have that opportunity to Let's have a look at um, Eden Zanka, who um, was put at pick 11 in the um, Phantom Draft done by Matt Marsden. This is a tricky one, isn't it? Um, there's not been much written about her in the Metro papers because she's a country girl. She lives up on the border um, and, and essentially does school in New South Wales. She plays a little bit of footy at Bendigo, so she hasn't been in the VFLW spotlight, but uh, was uh, rewarded with the title of uh, All-Australian Full Forward for under-18s. So it shows that she certainly got some class. Is she going to be the, the diamond in the rough in the draft, the under-18-year-old that um, everyone's kind of like, oh, she's talented, but they kind of look over and could end up being a bargain? In fact, if Matt's predictions go as they are, she'd be picked up at 11. So you could imagine an All-Australian under-18 full forward for the Western Bulldogs and possibly, say, Chloe Malloy or Isabel Huntington. I'll tell you what, the Bulldogs are doing pretty well in the draft with that. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, uh, it's a fantastic prospect that they have on their hands. Um, I wouldn't want to see taking uh, a chance at VFLW this year, but I'm obviously not sure what the personal circumstances what might be there. But, yeah, I mean, kind of one of those picks that you might look back on and, you know, think that's, a, that's just a total steal. And there's definitely that potential there for her to be. And, I mean... Whichever club, whichever club does take her, hopefully the Bulldogs um, will be. You know, the currently you can only strengthen the roster as a whole, which you have to, which you really have to take into consideration, considering that the lists aren't all that big in AFLW. 
Let's have a look at the uh, stats for her running vertical jump uh, 51. And also, uh, she rated well in the smart speed agility at 8.810. That's for Eden Zanka. Let's focus on some of the more uh, mature players that are currently available, those uh, above the age of 18 running around in the VFLW that we've seen this year. And it seems like Diamond Creek have got a plenty to choose from. Um, that could go into the draft. I'll focus on. Um, I'll, I'll focus on four of them. Uh, the first one that I'm leading off with is Ashley Riddle. Uh, she was taken out of Fitzroy to Diamond Creek this year. Uh, won our Player of the Day in the game against Melbourne Uni, and she finished third in the Diamond Creek Best and Fairest this year, just behind Chloe Malloy and Alison Downey. That says a lot. It does, considering just how deep Diamond Creek batted this year. Um, yeah, she'll be. I think she'll be a handy pickup for whichever whichever club hopefully takes a chance on her. Um, yeah, fingers, I got my fingers crossed for her. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna. Sorry, uh, she's gonna be. It's gonna be a interesting time. I hope you know. Some, I think she'll be a handy pickup in the middle of, in the middle of the field. She can really um, you know, kind of relieve you know, certain certain players in other teams that so you can add another midfield option, more depth and I think, you know, like I said before, it's just a depth is a very important prospect in AFRW. In the two kilometre time trial she registered at seven minutes and fifty four seconds, putting her in the uh, top five. So it shows that she's got an engine and that she can go and um, certainly will be looked at by the clubs. I, I predict probably a second or third round uh, draft pick there mm-hmm. for Ashley Riddle. A, a teammate of hers who's just about dominating in most tests was uh, Renee Hicks and she has registered in the vertical jump of 51, in the running, running vertical jump of 53 um, to the I think she also uh, got into the smart speed agility top rating, rankings in the top half dozen an 8.730 so Got the agility, got the jump. You know, she, she's a player that no one's really talked about. We talked about the Malloys, Abitang Jellos, which we'll speak on in a moment, uh, the Riddles, and obviously we know Katie Lawrence is back, Shay Audley's, et cetera. But Renee Hicks seems to be one of those that has slipped under the radar at Diamond Creek. It's a potential steal in the draft, too. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, a, it's pretty low, you know, I guess it's low risk to take her in, you know, maybe pick two, you know, round two or round three. Um, Again, that can, that's something that can turn out to be a real boom. Considering her stats, considering the issues had with Diamond Creek, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, ho- I'm, I'm assuming that recruiters are taking notice of that. Let's have a look at another player that they'll be taking notice of: Sophie Abitangelo. Uh, Sophie has come back to football after uh, taking some time off uh, originally from Montmorency and uh, in the combine she got a 48 in the vertical jump. In the Smart Speed 20-metre sprint, she got a 3.35, putting her amongst the top half dozen or so. In the Yo-Yo test, she was amongst the top half dozen with a 16.5. And with the Smart Speed agility, she's got an 8.681. She can play midfield, but predominantly will play in the forward line as a small forward. She kicked two goals in the grand final, and if she didn't miss that one from 15 metres out, if she nailed it, she may have almost dragged Diamond Creek back into the game and almost towards a premiership. She stood up when someone had to stand up. Tell you what, she's a smart footballer and uh, for those looking for a smart forward, being the Bulldogs, maybe Carlton might need one more just in case the Harris um, thing doesn't pay off. Sophie Abantangelo could give you at least a good one or two goals a game minimum. 
Yeah, she was a real live wire. Um, a real interesting player on I watched Diamond Creek this year. Yeah, really impressed by her. Um, helped, obviously helped push Diamond Creek back into the game in, the, in that grand final. Wasn't for me, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't for her lack of effort for sure. Um, Carlton, Carlton to me sounded a really good option for her. Someone who can really buzz around Taylor Harris, someone who can really force opportunities and if need be, you know, head into the midfield to relieve, you know, to relieve their midfield, to relieve their midfielders. So, I mean, to me, this stands, it stands out pretty well for Carlton. And one last player as well from Diamond Creek, the veteran Tanya Hetherington in her early 30s. Um, she's come back from a couple of knee injuries, got uh, selected in the VFLW Team of the Year as a premiership fullback. We know that for one of the exhibition games, uh, the TV exhibition game, that she was being considered by Melbourne as a late replacement in case they had an injury. Um, she didn't get that honour, but I tell you what, Tanya Hetherington... Surely, surely no one will look at her age. Surely no one will look at her knee injuries and go, look, this is just a class footballer. She might be a late-round pick. She could even be free agent. But surely she's got to be a, a leader that has to be picked up by a club that's short of leaders. For me, this one will make a lot of sense. Um, I, I, it's a it's very low low risk. With AFLW, you can kind of take the chance on some of the older players because it's a shorter season. You know, Obviously, it's going to grow, but it's a shorter season at the moment that you can help bring in yeah, not only can you bring in younger players, but you can be a serviceable footballer at the very least. I mean, she did coach the team as well. She spent the year out coaching Diamond Creek, so she already has she has that credential as well. She can be an on-field coach for whichever side you know can pick her up. I mean, I think it's it's going to be interesting time. It's going to tell a lot about how AFL recruiters, AFLW recruiters view. Uh, certain, you know, the older kind of talent, and I'm just, I'm just hoping that they, that they take the opportunity to, to take her on board. I mean, it's to me, it's, it's, an, uh, it's a no-brainer. Because my money is, if they didn't take her this year, is for her not to lose spirit. Because if she wasn't taken this year, she'd be surely taken in 2019 when, for example, Geelong and North Melbourne will be looking for some senior players to complement a bunch of youngsters that they'll get and they'll need leadership. And she'll be one of them. If I looked at the current AFLW teams, I see two where she could slot in beautifully. She could either slot in at the Western Bulldogs, who are screaming for a tall defender because Astor probably sits more at centre-half back rather than at full-back. Or she'd be actually very, very handy at um, at Carlton, allowing Adder to play the pocket, she playing full back. That will allow Nick Stevens off the half-back flank to try and push up the ground further instead of being caught in defence and also free up Bree Davey to play in the middle of the ground. For sure. So what we what we do know, what we have just established, that can be of service to teams, at, and that's at a minimal. I think she can... Um, She'll do well for whichever team gets it. I'm, I'm just hoping this year is the year because I guess you never really know what's ahead around the corner next year in terms of injuries, form, whether you know. So take I I've implored them to take the chance to take the chance to take her on board. It's going to be it's, I don't I don't I don't I just don't see how this is a lose option here. Looking at other clubs uh, at the Eastern Devils, uh, you've got Tani Nesta, who was a fill-in for Carlton. She is available in the draft pool. In the combine, uh, she got 8 minutes 10 seconds, putting her amongst the top uh, dozen in the 2-kilometre time trial. Uh, Nesta also did feature in the yo-yo test with a 15.8 and in the smart speed agility with 
with an 8.77. She's uh, one of those smaller defenders that uh, I'm just trying to think of who will be needing a smaller defender. Maybe the Bulldogs might need an extra smaller defender. Maybe the uh, Magpies, since they lost uh, the likes of Stevens. So um, Tani Nesta won. That will probably be, in my opinion, fourth or fifth round draft pick. Sounds accurate. Um, she's a player that came up from the old uh, VWFL from the lower divisions to take the step up to VFL, to, you know, to VFL women's level with Eastern Devils. And I think it's been well, it's, you know, it's worked for everyone. And now she's a realistic draft hopeful. Um, yeah, she, I, mean, I can see her slotting in, as you mentioned. And, you know, probably, I think that's about right. Pick, you know, round four or five, I think, sounds just about accurate, I think. Also, the Eastern Devils have got Valerie Moreau. Now, Valerie um, did a summer with the um, Victorian Women's Football Academy and uh, was thrown between defence and forward for um, for the Eastern Devils. Still a little raw in her skills, particularly her kicking, which she needed to work a, work a bit on if she's an attacking forward. But she did kick that goal for um, the academy wearing the Saints jumper against uh, the ADF uh, back in April. She was named in the world team at the uh, 2017 IC17. It was also named as the women's player of the tournament. Plenty of upside to her. It'll be interesting to see if they do, if any club takes her as a draft pick, and if they don't, if they maybe wait to the rookie draft, which, uh, which, if we're to believe Josh Randall's tweet, that she'd be technically available as an international in the rookie draft. Yeah, generally, I'd like to see an international presence in. I'd like to see you know international presence in the league. I'd like to see clubs sort of take those opportunities because I think the talent's definitely there at international level. Kim Hemingway was one of those names, and. Yeah, I think she's just the bill. She, um, it's, I, you know, rookie, a, a rookie pick wouldn't be, you know, again, it's one of those low risk things that you, and that's something you can get a lot of reward from. So, yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one of those things where I hope recruiters are a bit more open minded and a bit more, um, enthusiastic, you know, a bit more visionary in the way they go about things and, you know, take, take a, take the chance to bring her, to bring her to the club. The other international, of course, is Katie Klatt, who did a summer with the Victorian Women's Football Academy. I guess the worrying thing is for Klatt is that because she's at a star-studded club like Melbourne Uni, she's been in and out, in and out of the first, going back and forth between the first and seconds because it's very difficult to hold a spot. Maybe for Klatt, it's a no this year and maybe for 2019 as a case of if we do see the shake-up with clubs in the VFLW that... Um, she doesn't follow the Melbourne Uni path to North Melbourne that maybe she finds another club. Not because um, she's got anything against uh, that club at Melbourne Uni. They all love her, etc. But just somewhere else, maybe a club that's a little expected to be a little lower down the ladder so she gets more game time and more opportunities. Yeah, I, yeah, I suspect so. I, t- I mean, as you say, it's a, a star-studded team at Melbourne Uni. Um, t- you know, you're find, I think you are going to find it hard to break in. Um, 2019 seems to be obviously realistic with the expansion and you know, teams, you're going to need more players to kind of step up and fill, fill voids and I think that's where she can come in. Kudos to her for stepping up with Melbourne Uni taking on the chance to kind of compete with people like Carney, Ashmore, Blackburn in that midfield, for those, you know, in that midfield zone. So, yeah, she's done well, but Again, probably 2019 seems the more 
realistic option. Having a look at your VU Western Spurs and some players out of there, the one that's impressed me the most this year and had a stellar uh, 2017 in her debut at the Spurs after making the step up from Division 5 then to Division 3 with the Gippsland Galaxy, delisted by Melbourne, but surely, surely, if Melbourne don't re-pick her up again, the Bulldogs will be looking for her as a replacement for Lambert has been Sarah Jolly. Yeah, I, I see her fitting in practically anywhere in the team. In the team's hopeful, you know, under the eye of Debbie Lee at the Spurs, you know, you could probably see a scenario where Melbourne, where Melbourne snap her up, uh, snap her back up, I guess. Uh, really impressed me. Can, you know, is dynamic around the goals as well. Knows, you know, an important goal kicking midfielder with, that can, you know, can, that can, that can turn a game, you know, that can deliver in those moments. And we saw that against Eastern Devils early in the year, that, that famous game at the Witten Oval. Um, yeah, to me, it's no-brainer. Uh, I suspect it'll be second round, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, I just can't see you know her being passed up at all. Let's continue our look at the VUS and Spurs. I look at Jess Frankie, and I wonder which club could find a home for her. I look at maybe Collingwood, because... Uh, obviously they've put all their chips in one basket with Mo Hope. We know Jazz Garner's great, but she more plays at half-forward, plays further up the ground. Uh, Jess Stuffin, for me, Jess Cameron, is more of a forward pocket, so is Bernardi, who will play the, the the flanks. Do they take someone like a Jess Frankie as a backup, as a case of if Mo doesn't work out in year two, like she didn't work out in year one, there's something else to try and see if they can throw Frankie on the goal square as a big body presence and see if that changes the dynamic of their team? I think so. Um, you, you know, the more options, the better in, in this case, I guess. Um, you, you pressuring the spots. You really want players competing, and I think she can definitely be part of that. Um, someone similar to, you know, um, Alyssa Mifsud in Melbourne, um, her teammate at, Western, at the Western Spurs as well, um, in a kind of a similar mold, a similar mold can take the, can take marks, is a real, can be a real presence up forward, and, some, it's yeah. Again, it can be another option than what you know. What already is a pretty uh, decent fall line for Collingwood. One player that wasn't named in our um, in our uh, best, we should point out uh, for our top uh, two two rounds draft picks, but uh, has certainly gone under the radar for the St Kilda Sharks is Jenna Brutton. Uh, Jenna has won the best and fairest this year at the um, Sharks. Uh, she can play midfield. She can play the small forward type role. Surprisingly, for whatever reason, she didn't nominate for the tw- for the draft of the 2017 season. She's nominated for this draft. I tell you what, she is the quality of player that really deserves to go in round one. But it's, obviously, we don't know what the recruiter's mindset is, considering this bunch of under 18s that are now available in the system. Yeah. Um, she really, she, I really took notice her a few years ago, to, a couple of years back, to be honest. And she also was experience at AFL exhibition games experience with Melbourne. And this year, and this year ahead, hopefully she'll be raring to go after, you know, not taking part in the, AFL, the inaugural AFL, you know, women's season. And I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure uh, what went on there. I thought she would have been pretty quick to step up to AFL women's level. I thought she was capable. But yeah, I to me it kind of looks like a round two or three kind of scenario, considering you know the the Huntingtons, the Conti's, Malloys of the uh, the Malloys of the world, and yeah, to 
it should be a, it should be a fantastic pickup with whoever gets it. It's actually the best one in one other player I should pick out, and I did actually uh, forget to mention when I was mentioning the Eastern Devils, and I really shouldn't forget to mention this player. It's because that she spent the year out with a knee injury. I tell you what, recruiters who haven't done their homework have probably forgotten about her. Those that know her have done their homework, most notably Meg Hutchins, who's played with her at Collingwood, will be hoping that uh, everyone's forgotten about her so they can sneak her in as a late draft pick at Collingwood. But she's a quality player, as Jessica Trend. Um, she was part of a midfield partnership with uh, Jamie Lambert in 2016 that really drove the Devils that year, which helped them make the top four. And obviously, she was, her being out and, and Hutchie carrying an injury at that stage was a devastating blow for them in the finals and why they went out in the elimination semi. But Trend, the day that she did her knee, she just kicked a goal. And prior to that, in the second quarter, she was on Ali Blackburn and virtually had kept Ali quiet for about a good 30 minutes. You know, a marquee player just really having a bit of a shocker because Trend was just getting her hands on the ball first. She's, tell you what, you know, she deserves to go, say, second round. Maybe she might go a little bit lady. Maybe Collingwood might take a gamble and just play hush-hush and keep it quiet and see if they can um, get a few other players in and then get Trend if no one's watching. Because I look at it and I go, if Trend goes to Collingwood and can team up with Lambert, you're starting to create that Eastern Devils midfield, that type of midfield that did did well for them last year. Yeah, she definitely has a proven record. And I guess that kind of, familiar, that kind of familiarity helps. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how this is, I don't, just don't see how she doesn't get picked up, to be honest. I mean, she obviously missing, obviously gone missing with the knee injury, but yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely an upside to a really absolutely dangerous midfielder that, that really came into her own in recent years, and she, I think she'll be set to be rewarded with a, an AFL women's contract. We're running out of time, so we do have to fly through the rest. But I do want to make mention of over at the Box Hill Hawks, uh, WNBL basketballer turned footballer in Chantella Pereira. Uh, Pereira has been playing a role at full back and playing a tagging role on some of the best forwards going around. I think it Vesio to one goal, kept there very quiet and has uh, received great praise from Patrick Hill. So for those, again, looking for another key defender after we mentioned Hetherington earlier, Chantella Pereira seems like one that might be taken late. It could be a fourth or fifth round pick, but will prove to be worth her weight in gold. If she slides through, tell you what, what a handy rookie pick she'd be, because she's eligible as a rookie. Yeah, oh, inc- yeah, be a great, it'll be a great um, pick-up, I think. She had, obviously, it's a tough season with Box Hill, but, again, it's kind of something that can, that can kind of build you up and can really take you know, take advantage of it and, and really build as a learning year. She really, you know, she was a, one of the, their standout performers throughout the year. And again, where you need you need these these defenders at AFL women's level, and I can see her spotting in and there's a potential for her to be a real bargain pick, as you mentioned. Uh, again, hopefully clubs take, take the option on her and uh, I can see it definitely working out. Another bargain pick as well to think about is uh, another basketballer, 
Anna Teague, who again played a defensive-type role. Uh, she did at uh, Geelong. Originally, she used to play for the Geelong Supercats in basketball. She uh, was a captain, so she's got leadership quality, defensive quality skills. Uh, she does get picked in 2018. Believe me, in 2019, the Geelong Cats will be taking her as part of their draft. Kind of player and a leader I see fitting into Melbourne's defence. Um, again, with a bunch of other Geelong players there, like uh, Mithin, for example, and uh, and Rocky Cranston. So, yeah, l- l- let's see where Anna Teague ends up in the draft. Again, could be another r- diamond in the rough, round five, round six pick. Yeah, there's definitely like, uh, that connection there, as you mentioned. There's one of yeah, I wonder if it's a tempting prospect to kind of just wait for Geelong. Obviously, yeah, you want to be you know, we want to be in there as quickly as possible with the Geelong team coming in. I just wonder what her uh, motivation, what her motivations are. So, yeah, um, she was a key member of that Geelong side that really shook things up in parts of the season. A young side that that kind of grew more and more into confidence. And I think she was a, a key part of that. So there's that proven track record there. And recruiters, I'm, recruiters, I'm sure, have taken note. And an attacking midfielder as well, Cassie Blakeway, uh, impressed me throughout the year. And she might be, uh, for those looking for an attacking midfielder, a late draft pick to uh, complement their side and to add into their rotation off the bench. Uh, I see uh, Cassie Blakeway being one of those handy footballers, possibly to go to uh, either Collingwood, who need to stack up on some more midfielders, or something to help the rotations out of the doggies. Yeah, that seems a pretty logical choice. I mean, goal-kicking midfielders... Uh, goal kicking midfielders are, are, are a premium. They've, you know, they're handy. They can be worth their weight in gold with, you know, with in front of goal, I guess. And again, someone that kind of stood up and helped, you know, helped Geelong have that, have that really impressive year this year. So again, someone who I'm sure recruiters have taken note of. Well, there's plenty of other Victorian footballers we could talk about, such as another star, Olivia Flanagan, out of Box Hill, for example. But unfortunately, we are out of time, and we've got to start looking at the other states as well. So we're not too Victorian-focused. Katie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy for our draft preview. And uh, we wish you and your Spurs all the very best, um, considering whatever the future may hold for them come VFLW, NFL, or whatever the Victorian women's footy shake-up is when it comes next year. Thank you so much uh, for having me on, Pete. Great, great talking to you. And that wraps up our AFL Women's Pre-Draft Edition here at Girls Play Footy. Our apologies to all the friends and family of players whose names weren't mentioned. We only have so much time with each reporter on the phone and only so much time on air. Otherwise, we could go on for hours trying to mention every woman that's played state league football or under-18s youth girls competition trying to make it through to the AFL women's competition. And again, it's very important to let them know that if they don't get drafted in 2018, to have a go again in 2019 to improve on their football at state league or youth girls level next year because, most importantly, there will be new teams coming into the competition. Geelong and North Melbourne join in 2019 as well as West Coast, Gold Coast, Richmond and St Kilda in 2020. So in the years coming up, there will be plenty of more opportunity spots that need to be filled. So keep working hard at their footy. Just a friendly reminder that this program is available as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy or of course, it airs every Wednesday evening from 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or via the RSN Carnival Racing and Sport app. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company and it's bye for now.